All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus Sources Edition. I am Action Network senior writer Colin Wilson, a guy that is not hedging a Western Kentucky ticket to win the Conference USA. My co-host, the award-winning, news-breaking, Action Network's own, and very tired Mr. Brett McMurphy. First reported by our own Brett McMurphy. Brett McMurphy is Sources. Brett, I don't think you've slept. We're recording this on Monday night. I don't think you've slept in 48 hours. Uh, are you, is your phone constantly plugged in with all the coaching news and the bowl news and everything else going on? Yeah, it is. It's been uh, pretty hectic. And, you know, with COVID last year, not a lot of, not a lot of moves as far as a coaching carousel, but obviously they're making up for it this year. I know we had talked a couple of weeks ago. I said the over under was 25 and a half. We may go over 25 and a half while we're taping this podcast. We are currently at 22. Fresno State is now open. Um, so with all the domino effects, we'll probably get over 30. Kalen DeBoer, a fantastic job uh, as Indiana's offensive coordinator. He actually brought life to that program from an offensive side of the ball with Tom Allen there as the head coach goes out to Fresno. And his first experience as a head coach was with a Fresno team that was locked out of their facilities the entire summer. And I believe like got two weeks inside their own house to practice and get ready before their pandemic season started in 2020. They show up this year. They completely annihilate everybody's expectations in games against UCLA and Oregon. I think Washington, which is crazy, Brett, because you and I talk about it. I I was just under the impression that the Chris Peterson web was going to be what drew in the next uh, Washington coach. But instead, I think they made an extremely smart hire and going to get uh, Kalen DeBoer. Yeah, I agree. I mean, everything I've, I've heard about him, everything I know about him, very, very impressive, good offensive mind. Uh, certainly, you know, Jimmy Lake was the handpicked successor to Chris Peterson. That didn't work out for a number of reasons. You know, the sources had told me a couple of weeks ago they were afraid if they stuck with Lake that they were going to drop back down to the Ty Willingham days. Uh, that's not what you want to hear if you're a Husky fan. So very um, – very nice hire by the Huskies. And, you know, the Pac-12, obviously Lincoln Riley out the USC. If if Mario Cristobal stays at Oregon, and who knows with the current openings or future openings, you know, we'll have to see. I hope, hopefully nothing happens before this podcast is, is put out. But as of Monday night, he's still the Oregon coach. But if Oregon can keep Cristobal, you've got a nice set of coaches there uh, in the Pac-12 uh, much improved, um, you know, from just uh, a couple of years ago. Let's talk about Lincoln Riley for a second, because obviously you don't know the details about what's gone on since USC fired Clay Helton into the time that they hired Lincoln Riley. But it's interesting that there was really no news out there other than James Franklin kind of pounding his chest. And there was a little bit of rumors around that. And Lincoln Riley took a personal day, said that it was a family day that he had to go and they're trailing jets down to Baton Rouge. But obviously 
something was going on with USC. This is, and I know this is just your opinion. I know you have no inside knowledge on this. Do you think Lincoln Riley's had this job since the end of September? The USC job? Yeah. No, no, not at all. Not at all. He actually addressed that today. He said basically uh, after the game Saturday night that they reached out to him. He thought about it. They got on a Zoom call uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, and then they made their pitch and he made the decision to leave. I think that there was some discussion with the LSU before Bedlam. I'm not sure how much, but I think USC AD Mike Bone, give him a lot of credit. You know, US, this job has been open for a long time. There's been a lot of names linked to this job. I think Lincoln Riley's the guy they wanted all along, and they kept that quiet. Kind of goes back to the, the phrase I think I mentioned to you the last week or the week before. The people that talk don't know, and the people that know don't talk. So I, they kept that very quiet. I think Riley was the guy they wanted all along. And basically, they were like uh, some other folks in orange and black, they were rooting for the Cowboys to beat OU because that meant Riley would be able to leave after Bedlam if Oklahoma would have beat Oklahoma State. Oklahoma's in the Big 12 title game, and I don't know if you can make a run at Riley before playing for a Big 12 title game and maybe possibly a college football playoff appearance. So, yeah, Colin, I, I, don't, I don't believe it that he was, he's been in talks with them since September. I think possibly USC wanted him since then, but I believe, Riley, that, that this kind of came down at the, at the last minute. I'm here in the state of Oklahoma. I live in the state of Oklahoma. Before I became uh, a writer at the Action Network, I used to travel all over the world. And I'm going to tell you right now, people bringing up taxes and how much he'll pay in taxes and quality in life and all that. There's a tornado siren that goes off at noon every day here. There are earthquakes just as many here as there are in California. It, <laughs> it's 74 degrees and sunny every single day in Manhattan Beach. And here in Oklahoma, you can go from a 90 degree day to uh, 30 degrees in snow and a tornado mixed in with that too. So I don't blame Lincoln Riley for getting out from a geographical perspective. And I actually don't blame him for leaving his position because if you think about it, this is two years in a row he hasn't made the college football playoff. A whole bunch of college football playoff visits before that could never get it done, could never win a national championship. And you have to wonder at some point when OU fans and anyone else was going to, I wouldn't say grow tired of Lincoln Riley. He still had a very good standing in the state, but uh, two consecutive years of no college football playoff and then never winning it before that with the kind of talent you've had from Kyler Murray to Baker Mayfield to Jalen Hurts. Uh, you have to wonder if Lincoln Riley kind of saw going to the SEC as my path to the college football playoff got a lot tougher. And if I go out to USC, I get to become the prime recruiter to rebuild a program that Clay Helton really, I mean, Clay Helton had recruited to levels of the Mac to the worse than most of the G5 programs. I wouldn't blame him for one bit for doing this. Ultimately, he's going to be an NFL guy. And I think he realized that, that he can get to the NFL better or have a better chance after going to USC and turning their program around, you know, getting to college football playoff. And even with the expanded playoff, it's going to be easier to get to the college football playoff out of the Pac-12 than it would be in the SEC. And you're right, he goes from Oklahoma where he's the top team, top team in the Big 12, not only for the last five years, but for the last 50 years. And you were going to go to the SEC where you were arguably, you may be the fourth best, fifth best, sixth best um, team in the in the conference. And I think what really illustrates that the most or probably hit home to Riley is you look at LSU two years ago at Ogeron had arguably one of the greatest, one of the greatest college football teams ever, at least the best offense ever. 
and winning a national championship. Two years later, they had to pull off an upset to get to six and six. At Oklahoma, a bad year is not six and six. A bad year at Oklahoma is nine and three. That may not be the case in the SEC. And now you go out to the left coast, it's going to be easier to recruit to USC than it is to Oklahoma. There's just a number of factors. But bottom line is he'll, you know, he'll have some time to kind of build that up. But if he doesn't have USC winning Pac-12 championships, you know, right off the bat, they, they, uh, they're probably not going to be happy with it. But still, I think long term, it, it's a better move for him. And one last thing that... <laughs> The thing that I thought is comical was hearing the OU press conference today that we're doing this on Monday night, where the OU administrators talked about that they really didn't have much notice, if any notice, from Riley that he was going to USC and that they kind of wish they had more notice, to which uh, I tweeted, you know, tired is OU not notifying the Big 12 before it left for the SEC. Wired is Lincoln Riley not notifying OU before taking the USC job. So, you know, (laughs) What goes around comes around, I guess. That is one of the most amazing tweets ever, except you already outdid yourself by when Lincoln Riley got off the plane. You said that's his first offensive touchdown since the first half of Bedlam. So you you really outdone yourself today. Where does where's OU gonna go? I mean, I know we've thrown Hypel around. I know we've thrown uh, you know, Stoops is gonna hold the fort down there for the bowl and, until they get somebody in. Is it Mark Stoops? Is it is baby Stoops gonna come in? Uh, who, who's gonna who's gonna be the head coach here? Look, Joe Castiglione is their athletic director. He, If he's not the best AD in the country, he's certainly in the top three. I would argue he's the best. And you look at his hires he's made at Oklahoma. He hired Bob Stoops, who was a defensive coordinator at Florida. Incredible success there. He was smart enough to put Riley in quickly when Stoops retired out of the blue. But also on the basketball side, he hired Lon Kruger, who was at UNLV. And I don't know if a lot of people know this. Um, Castiglione told me this a couple of years ago when he got fired, Jeff Capel, they had to find a new basketball coach. They wanted Lon Kruger. He had been pursuing Lon Kruger for a number of years. Couldn't get him. They hired Jeff Capel. Kruger had just built multi-million dollar house in Vegas, literally in the last six months. Castiglione still pursued him and pursued him and pursued him and got Lon Kruger to go to Oklahoma leave behind UNLV, leave behind the multi-million dollar brand new house. And he got OU to the, to the final four. So Castiglione will get a solid coach there. Who will that be? I don't know. Will that be somebody like Matt Campbell at Iowa State? I know there's been a lot of speculation about Brent Venables, former defense coordinator at Oklahoma. I do not have any inside information on this, but I don't think Castiglione will hire an assistant coach. I don't think he'll hire an assistant coach that has no head coaching experience, which Venables doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Barry Switzer, we all love Barry Switzer. He's pushing for Mike Leach, former Oklahoma offensive coordinator under, under Bob Stoops. I don't, knowing Castiglione's personality, I don't think he wants somebody like Leach who can, as much as we love Mike Leach sound bites, I don't think he wants that type of coach at Oklahoma. What's your message to the team? Uh, don't do it anymore. I also would be surprised if he gives Lane Kiffin serious consideration for a lot of the same reasons. Kiffin sometimes makes more headlines off the field than he does on the field. He's going to get somebody, whether it's a Matt Campbell, does he make a run at somebody in the NFL like a Matt Rule and maybe try to get him back to the college ranks? You know, the the report about Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> being a target of a, that's that's 
no, that's not it. That's basically an agent saying, hey, can you tweet this? And then somebody tweeting it and, and that's out there. Mark Stoops would be fascinating. I think he's done an incredible job at Kentucky. I don't know if weird's the right word, but it would be very unique for Oklahoma to hire Mark Stoops, obviously with his brother having already been there. And the comparison between Bob Stoops and Mark Stoops, Mike Stoops is also on the staff as an assistant coach. I mean, you literally have every Stoops relative on Oklahoma staff if that happens. So I don't necessarily know if they'll go with Mark Stoops. So I guess, Colin, this is a long-winded response to, I don't have any clue what they're ultimately they're going to do, but I do think that Joe Castiglione will end up with a great hire because based on his track record, that's what he's done every single time. Zero percent chance they go after Mike Gundy? Uh, 0.0% chance to go after Mike Gundy. Just had to, just had to ask. See, that would, I mean, you know what, you know, you know what would be funny. And obviously I'm an Oklahoma state grad and I thought the entire 60 minutes of the OU game that Oklahoma state was going to lose that game. Yeah. Actually, after the game went final, I was waiting for them to cut in and say, wait, there's a penalty on the play time for one more untimed down somehow, some way that would not end up the way it did. Uh, if somehow Oklahoma State can win Baylor, and by no means is am I, am I saying that's a, a certainty. In fact, we may still be partying after winning Bedlam, and hopefully we don't come out flat. But how ironic would it be if Oklahoma State did get to the playoff, and if Oklahoma State like won a semifinal game where OU has been multiple times, Lincoln Riley never won a playoff game, and then Oklahoma State and Gundy is able to win that would be some poetic justice there. But, hey, the Pokes, Pokes got to get by Baylor first. So I guess I, I need to stop dreaming and get back to reality. The Pokes have a great chance at making the college football playoff. You and I said that a month ago when we told everybody to take 80-1. to 1. And as I'm looking at it right now, they'd be a pick against Cincinnati. They'd be a five-point underdog to Michigan in a semifinal. You just kind of want to avoid that Georgia train. Avoid Georgia, right. Yeah, but that Pokes – uh, I, I, that that defense is the easily I said it you know with confidence last week on the show that is easily the second best defense in the nation uh, and the difference is they've actually had competent offenses throw downfield on them Georgia has not really had a test downfield so uh, I, I think the Cowboys still have some more damage to do we'll see how that works out this weekend as we're recording this right now Brian Kelly's name has been linked to LSU. It's funny, I was texting with somebody earlier today, and they mentioned that, you know, Brian Kelly's burned out at Notre Dame and look for him to LSU. And it's a source that I trust very much. But I thought this guy was just kind of venting. He wasn't really providing me any info. So I never really pursued it because I didn't think he was providing me actual news. It was more kind of just like a back and forth, what's going on. So then, sure enough, couple hours later there's reports out there where now brian kelly is being targeted by lsu so that's kind of one one part of the spectrum when i'm dealing with people on different stories another one is where i get my emails on my twitter account uh you, you know anyone can email me it's brett mcmurphy at gmail.com if you want to email me uh, but i got an email and i get these randomly and it's always i can tell it's always from somebody who wants me who thinks that i will just report any news that someone emails yep. and it says, Brett, I'm close with Scott Woodward, the LSU AD. I print the C, I work in his office. I know that they are working on a deal with Tom Allen. Everything is hush hush and they want to wait until after the bowl game 
to announce to keep the boosters quiet. Just thought you should know. <laughs> so, of course, I should run with that. I should print that. LSU is going after a coach that just, just went two and ten. Let's go hire Tom <laughs> Allen. Defensive coordinator. And it's and it's I like where he goes. I'm close with Scott Woodward. Parenthesis, I work in his office. I'm right. like, okay. So obviously the guy's name's on the email. So I look just for giggles. And of course, there's no one by that name that works at LSU with that name. So it's just comical. I can tell there are some folks out there from certain fan bases that maybe are not a fan of me because of stuff that I've found out about their their schools or their coaches or whatever that by the way were factual but still that's fine but they will randomly send me this stuff that's so crazy off the board just thinking I will automatically report this without even checking it out so anyway I had legit information on Brian Kelly and screwed up and didn't pursue it and then I had some bogus information on Tom Allen unless LSU announces Tom Allen as the next coach and then I'll really look bad. So let's switch over to confirm bowl games. You uh, placed my Razorbacks. You've ruined my vacation from sending me from Duke's Mayo Bowl to the Music City Bowl. Uh, I, there's no way my family wants to go to Nashville. Uh, you will not put us in a Florida Bowl. But so far, we do have a couple of confirmed spots. We have East Carolina going into the Military Bowl. We also have Memphis going to the Hawaii Bowl, which is fantastic because I love freshman quarterbacks that can throw for a thousand yards in a game playing on my Christmas Eve TV screen while I pour a little bit of scotch. But the only head-to-head matchup we have right now is one of the very first bowls of the Bahamas Bowl is Middle Tennessee and Toledo. I think the question is, the biggest question on bowl people's minds is Alabama going to the Sugar Bowl if they lose to Georgia this weekend, or is it Ole Miss's bowl? So this is the, the simplest way to figure it out. If Alabama loses to Georgia, when the playoff rankings come out this Sunday, it's as simple as this. Whoever is higher ranked, Alabama or Ole Miss, will go to the Sugar Bowl from the SEC. So from last week, Alabama was at number three, Ole Miss was at number two. You know, Alabama's going to stay at number three on in Tuesday rankings, or they'll move up to number two, depending on if Michigan jumps Alabama. So if I think if Alabama loses to Georgia, I don't see Alabama dropping below Ole Miss because, again, both schools will have two losses. Alabama will have won its division. Alabama won the head-to-head against Ole Miss. So, yeah, Colin, that would put Alabama – in the Sugar Bowl. Ole Miss, though, would likely still be high enough ranked. They don't play this week, obviously. So they would get one of the at-large bids, meaning they would either go to the Fiesta Bowl or the Peach Bowl. Is Baylor or Oklahoma going to be in the Sugar Bowl? If Baylor wins the Big 12 championship, I think they're automatically tied into that game. But if they lose that game, is OU the next man up while Oklahoma State goes to the college football playoff? It's the same situation. So if Oklahoma State beats Baylor, who would be the higher ranked team between Baylor and Oklahoma? Uh, Oklahoma was number number 10 last week. They're certainly going to drop after losing Oklahoma State. Again, Baylor won the head-to-head with Oklahoma. I think if Baylor loses to Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game, Baylor would not drop below Oklahoma, a team they beat head-to-head. So Baylor would then go to the Sugar Bowl because Oklahoma State was in the playoff. If Oklahoma State wins the Big 12 title game but does not get into the playoff, Oklahoma State would go to the Sugar Bowl, and then Baylor would probably be ranked high enough to get an at-large bid 
in either the Peach or the Fiesta Bowl. So with a Michigan Big Ten championship, I'm sure it's the same rules, and we can probably assume that Ohio State's going out to the Rose Bowl? Yes, absolutely. Because if the if long as Michigan wins, Ohio State will be in the Rose Bowl. Now, if Michigan loses, I mean, there's a number of scenarios that would happen. There's a possibility. What does the committee do with Michigan and Ohio State? You know, you've got to – neither of them would be Big Ten champs. I don't think I was going to – I was not going to get up into the top, into the top four. I know we had one of our calls earlier today, and <laughs> one of our dedicated Action Network employees was was trying to figure out a way that Iowa could get up into the top four. They're at number sixteen right now. A and M lost in front of them. Uh, Oklahoma lost in front of them. I think the highest Iowa could get to be fourteen going into this week. You know, beating number two Michigan, Iowa is not going to jump from 14 to number four. There's just too many bodies to climb over. But if Michigan wins the Big Ten, yeah, Ohio State goes to the Rose Bowl as the highest rated Big Ten team, not in the playoff. That Wisconsin could have been in the running for a New Year's Six game if they yeah. would have won that game and then, you know, were competitive in the Big Ten title game. And now now they shuffle down. And, and by the way, Colin, I've been – making a lot of calls about the bowl stuff. I, you know, have my updated projections on Twitter at Brett underscore McMurphy. Hopefully I'll have another updated projection later in the week, but the ones that are out there now are, are up to date as of Monday night with Memphis going to Hawaii. As far as your beloved Razorbacks, here's the deal. If Georgia beats Alabama, I expect Alabama to the sugar. Ole Miss will get either the Fiesta or the Peach. I'm projecting the Peach. Uh, against, by the way, this this will be one of the best games. And you got to take the over, right? Ole Miss versus Pitt in the Peach Bowl. You got to right. love that, right? That pace, that top. Matt Corral and Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Hopefully they play. Yeah. <laughs> don't, they don't opt out. Anyway, as far as your Razorbacks, so I think Kentucky slides in to the Citrus Bowl as the, as the top SEC team after that group. <clears throat> then I've been told that basically – it's going to be a battle royale between Tennessee, Arkansas, and Texas A&M as far as of those three teams, they all want to go to Florida. So they can either come here in Tampa where I'm at playing the Outback Bowl or go to the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. So two of those teams are going to get Florida Bowls, and then one of them is probably going to end up in Nashville. So there's a lot of discussion now on how that would how that would break down. So even though currently I have Arkansas in the Music City Bowl, there is a lot of, I, want to, I don't know if say momentum, but there is a lot of people in the Razorbacks corner that try to get them to Florida, whether it's the Outback Bowl in Tampa or the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. I don't think anything will be decided until Sunday until we see how the SEC title game plays out. But I'm just saying don't. there is a chance. You've got a chance. Even though I've got you guys in the Music City right now, there is a possibility you could end up in Florida. So don't make that, don't make those, uh, you would probably drive to Nashville anyway. <laughs> they don't make those travel plans to, to Nashville just yet. You may have to get a plane ticket for Florida. I almost vomited when I saw a bowl matchup with Minnesota. That would be the most boring way to spend my December 30th. But considering my wife and my all of my in-laws are from Iowa, I would kill for that Citrus Bowl, Arkansas, Iowa. There's a lot of, a lot of people that leave the state of Iowa and retire in the state of Arkansas. So that would be... I have a bowl that would sell out in five minutes, but no, you can check out uh, Brett's bowl projections 
uh, Clemson, Texas A&M in the Gator Bowl, you know, Wisconsin, Tennessee in the Outback. And like like Brett said, these are all going to shuffle here. And the college football playoff final rankings on Sunday is going to determine a lot of where everybody goes. And speaking of that, we are going to record our podcast late on Sunday. You know, we usually would do a recap episode, but we're going to do it after the college football playoff has been announced, after the New Year's Six has been announced. And then when Brett's phone is just blown up like crazy to fill out the rest of the bowls, we're going to do our podcast and have a live projection. Like the second the games are announced, we'll have our live projection, our live total. And then we're going to start talking about which head coach is in this, which isn't, which players are in this, who's going to sit, who's going to play. So definitely a big podcast coming up at the end of the week. Brett, let's switch over to conference championship games. A lot of people I've already had, I think, four or five Twitter DMs uh, and, and mentions today about hedging some of these futures tickets. And I had a Western Kentucky 14 to one. I've got a Georgia plus 275 to win the SEC. I've got, you know, a couple a couple of other teams on the board, a little bit of Utah to win the Pac-12 after winning the South. I don't feel very good about my Oregon to win the national title ticket. I think that's <laughs> it. That's a long shot. I don't know if I can cash that out early. Uh, I've got, like you, Western Kentucky to win Conference USA. After seeing what they did against Marshall, I'm going to let it go. See what happens. Heisman, when everyone talked about Matt Corral, when everyone talked about Kenneth Walker, when everybody talked about C.J. Stroud, when people were even trying to get Caleb Williams in the mix, what did we say every time? It's a team award, but it's an offensive quarterback award. Now C.J. Stroud's not playing on Saturday, so he's out of sight, out of mind. Bryce Young will be playing. Everyone is going to be watching that game, certainly everyone that votes for the Heisman. If Bryce Young does very well against arguably the the greatest team on the planet as far as college football, then he's only going to help his Heisman case. Even if Alabama loses that game, I think Bryce Young, and now he's in the favorite mode. What is he, minus 200 now? Yeah, minus 200. I wouldn't say there's any value on that, but certainly I I think Bryce Young is the choice for the Heisman. I know you're excited. I know Stucky's excited for you guys to have your first ever Heisman vote. As a reminder, we can't reveal who we're going to vote for, but we can certainly reveal our votes after the award is given out. But it's kind of played its way out like I thought it would. If I said if Alabama got to the SEC title game, I thought Bryce Young would win it. And I'm not saying he shouldn't win it or he should win it. I'm just basing this on how this award has been given out in past years. We'll have to see if, if that's what happens. Bryce Young and 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 CJ Stroud have been the top two the entire time. We got a lot of value on CJ Stroud uh, about you know two months ago after Ohio State took that loss. That value never presented itself for Bryce Young. They he never dipped below. I think I don't think he was ever outside five to one, uh, maybe in the preseason. Uh, but after since you know since the game started, everyone could see just how accurate and and how surgical uh, this freshman kid can be with the Alabama offense. Uh, and it's going to be pretty interesting next year when they have a whole boatload of weapons back, uh, some that are injured right now. And, you know, one of these, and I, I, I'm still a little bit shocked that I'm, I'm a Heisman voter now. Uh, and I, my Heisman vote is always going to be based on who has the better numbers uh, and who is the better leader for their team. And right now, I'll just say one of them, uh, between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, one of them is ahead of the other when it comes to raw stats. And when you take their strength of schedules into into play, it even makes it more clear about who should win this Heisman. Back on the Western Kentucky, you've got them in the Boca Raton Bowl against Liberty. That would be excellent. Absolutely uh, a pure joy to watch. 
is the conference USA champ go to Boca Raton or do they, do they go to another, or is there a tie into another bowl? Actually, it's different for each conference. Conference USA um, is unique in that it lets the champion of the league kind of give their preference on what bowl they want to go to. So it's not like, um, for instance, the Mountain West champion will automatically go to the Los Angeles Bowl. The Sunbelt champion, more often than not, will go automatically to the New Orleans Bowl. Conference USA is unique in that they actually let the team kind of give their preference. So from what I understand, the Hilltoppers would like a trip to sunny Florida, don't we all? Mm -hmm. And would want to be in the, the Boca Raton Bowl. Who they would play, that's, you know, unknown. I think I have them with Liberty. I had them against yeah. Central Michigan last week. It's impossible to tell who they're going to play because so many of these bowls have multiple conferences linked to it. Um, but if they win, I think they would go there. If UTSA wins, I'm not sure where they would prefer. I, I know that if there was hope, if you know, their undefeated season has is, is gone by the wayside now. But if UTSA would have ran the table and been 13-0, and I know there was a push to try to put them in the Independence Bowl against BYU um, because then you would have had two ranked teams uh, playing in the Independence Bowl. BYU is, this year at least, is contractually obligated to play in the Independence Bowl unless they make one of the New Year's Six games. Uh, BYU is so close to getting into a New Year's Six game, but I don't think they're going to make it. So they'll be in Shreveport against i'm projecting this week i it's a regional matchup please bowl gods make it happen byu versus lsu <laughs> that, would be, <laughs> that would be absolutely fantastic uh one last note on the bowls brett you and i talked about this earlier today we had an additional team qualify more than there was spots so that means somebody that's six and six is going to get left out can you review again what uh which teams are are possibly on the table for not making a bowl season the easiest way to look at it is every team with seven or more wins is guaranteed a bowl spot. And then once you fill in all of those bowl games, a six and six team that's not in the power five league will not go to a bowl game. So six and six LSU will find a bowl home. They will not get left out. So basically you're looking at Ball State or Miami, Ohio out of the Mac. You're looking at Wyoming and the Mountain West. You're looking at possibly ODU or North Texas in Conference USA. Uh, you're looking at Tulsa in the American. The, out of that group, one of those teams will not go to a bowl game. I spent a significant amount of time on the phone today trying to figure out which team that would be. The short answer is it's impossible to predict. There's no rhyme or reason how this decision is made. It's basically when the as the bowls get filled up, once you get down there towards the end and a bowl needs to fill a spot, it's up to the bowl to determine, you know, whether they I'll just hypothetically pick two teams out of the air, Tulsa or North Texas. What team does that bowl want if they're the last two teams available and whichever team that bowl picks, the other team does not go to a bowl. It's unfortunate. Some people say we have too many bowls. Other people say, we should just let everybody play in a bowl game. I've gone back and forth on this. It's look, it's an exhibition. Why not have, you know, who's against more college football? Just let everybody play a bowl game. Hopefully it's not North Texas. They've been money makers for weeks. Real quick, ODU. They didn't play last year because of COVID. 
They're one of the few teams that did not play. They start out this year one and six. They've won the five consecutive games to get this, get the 500, get the six wins. I hope they get picked. You know, I, I'm supposed to be neutral. I am neutral, whether people believe that or not. But I am 100% hoping ODU gets into a bowl game because of everything they've gone to and the way they've turned it around there for the Monarchs. I thought you were the biggest Ohio State fan in the world. I I, I didn't know that you the, were. ODU is my favorite team, Ohio State second. <laughs> All right, so pivoting from bowl season, now that we got clear about how a team that finished six, six could miss out on bowl, one of them will miss out on bowl season. This is your Heisman Handicap. The Heisman Trophy is awarded to... We already talked about it before. The Bryce Young minus 200 at the books right now. CJ Stroud not playing this weekend. Uh, he's sitting around uh, plus 450. And then there's just a litany of, of double digit guys from Kenny Pickett, Kenneth Walker, Matt Corral. No chances whatsoever. What has to happen this weekend for CJ Stroud to win? I think Bryce Young needs to throw three interceptions, maybe a pick six, and just have a, you know, 10 for. 30, 100-yard yard game. He needs the worst game of his life for mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud, I think, to have a chance. And yeah. I, I don't think that'll happen, but I think that's because the voters, you know, what have you done for me lately? It w- I think it would take just a total disaster to be in New York. I know you've got a substantial ticket on Desmond Ritter to get to New York. You need him to have a monster game against Houston, and I think he's got a shot. And I don't know if you're aware of this, Colin, but next Friday, the Heisman will announce the four finalists in New York. There's only four. There's not three. There's not seven, but there's four. So basically, you need Desmond Ritter to finish in the top four. Are you confident about that? I'm, I need another six touchdown game. I don't care if he's on receiving a touchdown. I don't care if he's running a touchdown. I just think the total number of touchdowns, he's going to have to get to six against Houston for me to have any shot. I mean, as a, as a guy that's got a nickel down on 30 to one odds on Desmond Ritter to make it to New York, that's all I need. I don't need him to win it. I just need him to make it to New York. You know, I'm thinking how many of these third place votes are going to go towards defensive players. Uh, so it, it, it's kind of an interesting dynamic right now. I think Desmond Ritter is going to have to have at least a six TD day, no matter if it's passing, running, uh, receiving. What's the chances that Aiden Hutchinson and Jordan Davis, are they going to draw some third place votes, you think? Yeah, I, I think they will, but I don't think they'll get enough to get to New York. And there's a ton of people that vote for the Heisman. And I think that a majority of them, I don't think they look enough at defensive players, I'll just put it that way, to strongly consider them for the Heisman or to consider them for the Heisman. I saw somebody had a statistical comparison um, of Will Anderson and some of the other best defensive players in past years. And he's like dwarfed all those numbers. Should Will Anderson go to New York? Absolutely. Is Will Anderson the best player at Alabama? Say probably, but still I think, you know, Bryce Young will end up winning it. So it's, it's an offensive award. That's just how it's always been is. And as I'm talking to you right now, I'm looking at Twitter and I know a friend of friend of yours that you've regard in a, in a very high manner. It's reported that Mike Bobo is out as offensive coordinator at Auburn. <laughs> so, <laughs> I always say that sarcastically. So, yeah, how about that one? 
that's a little shocking. Uh, after firing the wide receivers coach a couple weeks in, and uh, I didn't really think that the offense you lost Bo, you lost Bo Nix. Uh, I, I thought my Bobo did a fine job. Uh, anyways, I would be more inclined to figure out why Bill O'Brien kept throwing to Roger McCreary for Auburn. Uh, as far <laughs> as far as the Heisman segment goes, it is interesting about the defensive players. But in my opinion, Brett, after the season that Nana McCollum Sue put up and Chase Young put up, if they can't win the Heisman, I just it's it's probably never going to happen. Uh, I don't know if they, you know, we, we can talk about this another time. If they expand the voting to go past three and that way you can collect, you can put defensive players in at three, four, five, and then collect more votes that way. It's just an entire process where it's tough as a defensive player. So look for Bryce Young, three interceptions and a pretty horrible game from a throwing perspective to get himself out of the Heisman. Look for Desmond Ritter to put up, he's got, I think he's got to put up at least six just to get a, a nice little trip to New York. Uh, and that's how the Heisman should go. The college football playoff payoff. Uh, playoff? Don't talk about playoff. You kidding me? Playoff? So, Brett, tomorrow morning, uh, Tuesday morning, there will be a college football playoff ranking piece uh, on Action Network that I wrote up today. And essentially, I've done this every week that has looked for value in teams before the rankings come out. Because, you know, we've done this a number of weeks in a row. There was a Michigan 60 to one out there that needed to be hit before they moved up. There was an Oklahoma State 80 to one out there. And, and uh, you know, I hit both of those myself, uh, whether they're going to hold up. I'm not going to hedge on them this weekend, but I'll certainly hedge on them once we get to the semifinals. I, I think we're pretty set. For me, the bracket is Georgia. Uh, no matter what, Georgia could lose by 50 this weekend. They're going to get in. Michigan wins, they're in. Oklahoma State wins, they're in. That's where it's easy. I think the messy part is Cincinnati is going to get in unless Alabama beats Georgia and Michigan and Oklahoma State win their conference championships, correct? I would think so. And I know I'm an Oklahoma State alum. I've said that. I'll repeat it. In that scenario, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan are locked in. The fourth spot is between. 13 and 0 Cincinnati and 12 and 1 Oklahoma State. And I can't tell you how the committee would go. I would think, based on all of the information that they're supposed to use strength of schedule, quality wins, et cetera Oklahoma State will have had three wins against top 15 ranked opponents. Cincinnati will have one. That was Notre Dame. Oklahoma State would have 10 wins against power five opponents. Cincinnati would have two. Oklahoma State would have more wins against teams with winning records than Cincinnati would have. But there's the human element in it, and it does Cincinnati benefit from the fact that no group of five team has ever made it. We've never put them in, so let's put them in this year. I can't predict that. But in your scenario with Alabama and Michigan winning, it comes down to Cincinnati and Oklahoma State. I don't know which way they would go. I'm actually projecting if – to tell you how I think, based on the numbers, I think Oklahoma State, if all the favorites win, Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State, I think Oklahoma State will jump Cincinnati and be a three seed. Cincinnati will be a four. So in your scenario where Alabama beats Georgia, I think Oklahoma State would be four. Cincinnati would be five. But again, that's me. I'm not on the committee. But that will be fascinating TV viewing if, if Alabama beats Georgia to see what happens with with Oklahoma State and Cincinnati. The, the committee has cited strength of record quite often. Uh, and Cincinnati right now sits at number four and Oklahoma State sits at number five. Strength of schedule, Cincinnati's at 96th and Oklahoma State is at 38. And I don't think you're going to ding Oklahoma State for losing by three points at Iowa State. I mean, that's just not 
one of those Ohio State getting blown out by Purdue or Ohio State getting blown out at Iowa. It's just not one of those moments. Uh, I, I hate to call it a quality loss, but it is a quality loss. I mean, there's no shame in losing a names by three points. So it, it should be interesting. But strength of record is the one that they seem to cite all the time. And these two teams are four and five. And I don't know if that flips after Cincinnati plays Houston and Oklahoma State plays Baylor. But that's going to be the interesting thing. I think what's going to be what people need to look at Tuesday night for the rankings is if Alabama is number two or number three. I think if Alabama's at number two ahead of Michigan, I think they can lose a close game to Georgia and still have a shot. I really do. If Alabama, and this is what I think, again, I preface this. This is what I think the com- how the committee will vote. If Alabama comes in at number three and then loses to Georgia, then I don't think they can stay in the top four. Well, it should be interesting how, how the committee slots them on Tuesday night. Right now, Michigan is number two in strength of record and Alabama is number three in strength of record. So does Alabama hold tight at three and Michigan slides right into that number two will be the will be very telling to see how far Alabama may slide if they lose to Georgia. So what does Notre Dame have to do to get in? I think we kind of talked about how these this would be one of the worst resumes in college football playoff history, including <laughs> a few uh, a number of years ago when college football playoffs started. Uh, I think we have to have Alabama get pounded into the ground. I think we have to have Oklahoma State lose. I think we have to have Michigan lose. But there is a really small path for Notre Dame, true or false? Uh, I don't see how they can get in. <laughs> Michigan, if Michigan and Oklahoma State lose, we don't have many one-loss teams left. Notre Dame will have exactly one more win against a ranked opponent than you and I do. I don't know if that's enough. I think a two-loss team could get in over 11-1 and one Notre Dame simply because their schedule maybe before the season looked very good. It, their second-best win after Wisconsin, Purdue, and then everybody else is at 6-6 six and six or below. Toledo, get Toledo won seven games. Yeah, Colin, I, I don't think that's a slam dunk just because they have one loss. And where they're at right now, I think the the two lost teams may uh, may either stay ahead of them or somehow jump them. I, but at least you and I can both agree there's a higher percentage chance of Notre Dame getting in than Iowa, correct? <laughs> yes, yes. More breaking news before we go off the air. As we uh, so we're just ending the, the podcast now, TCU officially announces what we reported last week, I think. Sonny Dykes is the new coach. With the Horn Frogs, that is a great hire. You know, Sonny Dykes did an amazing job at SMU, uh, especially in the post Chad Morris era. I don't know who's having worst post eras, uh, Chad Morris or Bobby Petrino, but uh, Sonny Dykes did. All right, so, and SMU's already named their coach Arkansas native from Fort Smith, Rhett Lashley, uh, who is, uh, you know, uh, formerly Gus Malzahn's uh, quarterback, I believe, one of the best offensive coordinators. I thought it was a great hire at Miami. Uh, SMU is going to be on fire next year with that with that staff that they have built there. <laughs> That's going to do it for Big Bets on Campus Sources. Before Brett breaks any more, Mike Bobo, Sonny Dykes, all this. It, there is so much information. Tomorrow afternoon, you can hear our group of five experts, Mike Ionello and Mike Calabrese, on our G5 Deep Dive episode. And late, late Thursday night, Stucky and I will be back. Conference championship weekend with our favorite picks. If you got a ticket from... Any of the futures we put out in the summer, we're going to talk about how to hedge them, how to play them. And if we're going to hedge them, Brett's got to get back to to breaking news and never sleeping. And I'm going to go back to uh, looking at the San Diego State total and maybe hit it over uh, against Utah State this weekend. So thanks for joining me, Brett. 
and we'll see you guys at the window.